everybody. Welcome back to Brewing Bright Minds. I'm here with Miss Dom. Good morning. And we are really excited to do a deeper dive into the value of preschool education, but also what are our kids really learning when they are in preschool? There are so many things to cover. Um, and generally, I think we want to discuss academically, what does it look like from infancy to pre-K, TK? What does it look like socially and emotionally? Um, what does it look like uh, value-wise? What are the values we want to instill in our kids? Work habits? Why is the preschool classroom conducive to all of that learning um, so that parents are aware, educators um, interested in going into the industry are aware. And really, to me, it is this tiny little microcosm of a system that really works for kids and learning and developing them into um, really top-notch citizens in this little society. And I think there's so much value in the magic that happens in these classrooms that can be translated into school-age classrooms and beyond. Yeah, and even life skills. Because mm -hmm. I feel like absolutely um, everything you learn in a preschool classroom, you're learning for life. Yes. So it's things that they're learning so young and you might think that, oh, you know, they're two years old. They're not going to remember this or um, they're not going to they're not going to use this, but mm -hmm. they will. They'll catch on. Yes, absolutely. And then I think that's what there's a lot of back and forth between parents and educators and and um, ideas about what is an appropriate expectation and um, expectation of kids at certain ages because of course every child is different every child develops at a different rate however there's also expectations we should uphold for our kids so that they can reach them yeah. if you just allow them well they're just too they'll get it eventually well no you can really prompt them and encourage them and they can reach those strides earlier on and actually they really love those challenges yeah. and i think it's important to note too that milestones some some milestones need the help of a caregiver to mm -hmm. reach. Absolutely. Uh, like tying tying shoes is a good one. Mm -hmm. you, that's not something that it's something a child has to be taught. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they just need they need some uh, some guidance. Yes, from us. absolutely. And um, it's really important for teachers and caregivers because everything that a teacher does in the classroom can also be translated at home with the caregiver oh, yes. or parents yeah. as well. That's why this is so important so that we're all on the same page in terms of yeah. how do we really uh, provide a stimulating learning environment for our kids that meets their needs in so many levels in every domain and um that's what we want to kind yeah. of um deep dive into more so um generally we do want to talk about academics and cognitively what is there to expect for infants toddlers preschool age as well as pre-k tk age um what are the social and emotional skills that we want to encourage um at each stage as well um milestones physical development <clears throat> that's always something that parents want to know and be mindful of but i think other things that are just as important that parents um, may not know mm -hmm. is 
maybe values, like what values we really want to teach our kids so that they're set up for success to learn and work hard. And like you said, the self-care and self-sufficiency after preschool and into kinder, independent skills. Um, Also, um, safety, um, self-help skills in terms of washing your hands and things like that. But how do you approach strangers and how do you approach yeah. friends and different like that's just as important. Right. Um, and that's important for, um, children who may not be in school because mm-hmm. a lot of the times nannies or babysitters or stay at home moms or dads, they'll take the, their child to the park, mm-hmm. um, or another public museums or the zoo, things like that, just things in, in their area. And, um, Sometimes they, you know, they they need to be guided. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why parents, um, you can encourage them taking part in things. But what can you actively be doing as well in the moment to make the most out of all of those opportunities? I think an ongoing question for parents um, and every every parent and every family has to decide um, is why is preschool so important for kids? What are the benefits and and what are the advantages of starting so early? Yeah. And I know we've definitely touched on this um, in previous episodes, but the the zero to five years is just so, so important um, because that's when 90 percent of a child's brain is developed which is a crazy statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, everything that they're learning in those zero to five years is skills that they will have for the rest of the, the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, these skills can be taught at home um, or in other types of of um, care based settings. But if your child is in a preschool setting, they're going to be learning things that are specific to their age group, mm-hmm. to their infant classroom, specific to their toddler classroom. And it's so important that they just have that niche. Mm-hmm. They're in each classroom. And I think that it's so important because um, the way just like grades are set up when you go to school age um, classrooms, the way that it's set up in preschool when you start from infancy mm-hmm. and then you go into the toddler classroom, preschool and pre-K, TK and so on. There are clear objectives and goals in all those in all the domains of development and learning that teachers have from a quality right. program. Teachers have objectives for an infant to achieve right. before they are ready to graduate into the toddler room. And so so on and so on. And so it's that's where it's so important because maybe parents are not as aware in terms of what to look for, how to foster those skills and have their kids meet their potential. And so like we keep saying, when you go to a preschool, parents, you have a partner, you have a partner in your child's development. You have a partner in terms of how are they behaving at school? What Are they like at home? How do we bridge a gap? If there is a gap, how do we encourage it at home as well? Um, And so even though you may um, have flexibility at work and have time to be with your child, also consider what is, are you able to provide your child everything to make the most of their zero to five years right. or could you have some support right. and have your child go to preschool, a quality preschool for a couple of days a week if you have that um, luxury of having flexibility or if you are really, you know, your career is really 
time consuming and you're really, really busy, then having a partner Mm -hmm. all the time is all the more important so that you feel good, you know, pursuing your career and showing and modeling to your child. Hey, I can work hard, but also I can be a present and engaged parent and informed parent because I have partners who are specialized. Right. And of course, this is going to look different for every single child. Every single child is so individual. And so the things that, you know, one needs, another may not. Um, and then there's things that generally every infant mm-hmm. or every toddler mm-hmm. will need and milestones to meet. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then um, what you should be seeing to in terms of a quality program, which we've touched upon before, that will encourage these opportunities for your kids to meet their potential is um, low class sizes or if some schools, you know, they're larger, so they have, you know, bigger classrooms, as long as the ratio is um, a lower ratio so that there's more opportunities mm-hmm. for individual, you know, care or individual attention for kids throughout right. the day. That's a major one. And I also want to mention that not necessarily state ratio because mm-hmm. there are certain states that the ratio is insanely high. Every state is different mm-hmm. in terms of state ratio, um, ratio being a, the teacher to child. Um, there are some states that's for infants, one teacher to six babies, one teacher to three babies, one teacher to one baby, you know, every mm-hmm. single state is different. And mm-hmm. so, um, of course it's important to ask the ratio and the class sizes when you're touring, um, a school, mm-hmm. but seeing, and also knowing what the state ratio yes. is, so you know, if it's less or. So it's also a good sign for parents to know that if the school is choosing to have a lower ratio than the state standard, that's right. a great sign because yeah. they're choosing to invest yes. in better care. They're choosing to pay more money, um, uh, for staff to provide better quick care and quality and and that allows for more communication right um because they are you know aware of everything that's going on with all the kids at all times so communication is a huge one um parents should feel like they are welcomed to communicate with Mm -hmm. teachers and administrators at all times if you do not feel like you can ask questions at pick up, drop off, make make an, a, an appointment to have a meeting at any time, then that's something to think about. And even just communication throughout the day, making sure that there is yep. some way to reach your child's teacher or the admin of the school. Yes. Um, and then also, how are they dealing with challenges or issues or um, discrepancies that may take place? How do they solve problems? Um, Problems are always going to occur, but how do they manage and solve problems? Do Mm -hmm. you feel secure in that? Or do you feel like they are acting in the best interest of Mm -hmm. you, your family, your child, the school? Also the timeline of it. Mm -hmm. If, you know, the issue happened one day and then it didn't really get talked about or started the process of resolving it until weeks later Mm -hmm. or is it days later or Mm -hmm. the same day yes you'll get a sense of whether you are being prioritized or not so that's a major thing just feeling heard yes absolutely safety is a huge one um at the end of the day you have to feel like your child is safe in the school's care in the teacher's care are they taking every measure to um be prepared for any, you know, emergency or anything that may take place. Um, are they communication protocols in place that if something was to happen, you are feeling like, you know, just as if you were there mm-hmm. with your child. And so that's that's huge. That's a great um, something to consider when you are touring. Um, how do they handle 
Yeah. And safety can even be things that you see inside the classroom, what the teacher is doing with the, with the child or what the children are doing to each other. Mm -hmm. But it could also mean the area around the school, Mm -hmm. um, and the safety measures that the building has, Mm -hmm. um, the area that the school is located in is the parking lot right outside, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. things like that. There's so many things to safety. Yes. Um, that is worth looking into. Yes. So again, when you are touring and you are kind of gathering your first instincts about how does the environment feel? Um, does it give you the first impression of it is a safe area? Mm -hmm. They do have safety measures in place they are well staffed so that if anything was to happen Mm -hmm. they're prepared um do they have communication protocols in place so that you know so it's all of that you you gotta have a sense that they are your child's you know caregiver in place of you while you're at work so you have to feel like all those things are in place as if you were there and even more so um there's you know depending on the the parent's job and how long the school is open for. Sometimes these children are with us longer than eight hours a mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, you know, it's their second home. So they need to feel safe and loved for sure. Absolutely. And I think that, um, so all of that is just kind of logistically are all those things in right. place for, for your child at school to make school even like worth, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worth going to. Um, and if they do have all those things in place, phenomenal. And then now, um, we think about, OK, so what is the value um, that's going to be added with your child being in this program? Are they is the program aligned with what you want to teach your kids mm-hmm. um, as if you were at home in terms of, you know, what kind of person are you going yeah. to be? Because they're they are an infant. They are yeah. one. They are two. They are just soaking up. And watching teachers modeling, you know, behaviors and interactions and and values that that's that they're actively learning all those. Right. Those and things. that's really important because every school has similar values, but also different. Mm-hmm. And even um, even if, you know, this school down the street and this school over here, they have five of the same values. But then there's one that's off mm-hmm. that could make or break a parent's decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so parents need to take all of that into consideration even if they choose to go the nanny route Mm -hmm. or staying at home they need to make sure the nanny is aligned with their values Mm -hmm. and the person that they are um and then also just the school in general what the school believes and also what the parents and the children who attend the school believe absolutely yes a team because if you are a partner together in raising your children then you have to feel like you know, they are teaching these these values, um, whether you're coming from a faith based school or not a lot. If you're going to a faith based program, then you'll note that a lot of those values are built in, right. which is phenomenal. Right. And if not, then, you know, there's also other um, secular schools that still are trying to instill a foundation, um, a strong foundation so that your child is growing into the individual that is set up for success at mm-hmm. school um, in all the ways, academically, right. socially, in all the ways. And so um, what do you think, Miss Dom, in terms of our school, what do you think are the core values that we want and we aim to instill in our kids even at a really young age? Yeah, so I feel like in each of our five classrooms, we instill the same values, just at different um, mm-hmm. age-appropriate levels. Um I think one of the major ones we do is kindness and respect for each other and also 
for teachers, mm-hmm. um, teacher to teacher, child to child, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. all that. So the kindness, respect the parents to teachers. I think that's a huge one. Even, um, if we have, you know, a slight disagreement between the team or a slight disagreement between a parent and a certain teacher, we make sure to really address it right away so that we keep that overall kindness and respect. Yes, absolutely. And I think that is a good point because just like at home and so just like at school, when kids see how you like you're saying teacher to teacher interactions are taking place, they're going to see disagreements that take place. They're going to see conflicts between teachers or parents. And all of that is natural. But how is it being handled? We can ask absolutely have disagreements but how do we approach it in a way that we are respecting each party we are hearing them out we are accepting how they feel yeah and that's a huge thing because everyone every teacher's teaching style is Mm -hmm. so different Mm -hmm. you can be in the same classes as your co-teacher you guys could go to the same college or have the same upbringing and teaching but your teaching style could be totally different Mm -hmm. um and of course you know like the age-old saying you can't or you won't work well with everybody Mm -hmm. but the way that that you handle it um so i think that's something we do really well at is that all of our teachers get along so well because we have that respect for each other. Mm -hmm. And we know that even though so-and-so teaches math this way and I teach math this way, we can still share resources Mm -hmm. and share our lesson plans and talk about it, but then go and teach it differently. Yes, I I do agree with that. I think we have lots of opportunities for our teachers to collaborate and exchange ideas and benefit um, lesson planning styles from one another. But also there is opportunities for each teacher to shine and and try things out and um i think kids the students are aware of all of that they know you go for it miss you know miss dom um because you know as uh teaching partners you'll you'll have those exchanges in front of your kids just as if parents (laughs) have in front they know they're aware and so they can see the collaboration they can see the flexibility Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the understanding that takes place between teachers that those are role models yeah and so for them to witness that type of interaction gives them the ability to apply that in their interactions yeah and i love the saying that children are sponges Mm -hmm. because they just soak up everything they soak up everything in their surroundings um and so they're soaking up what their teachers are saying to each other what their parents are saying to each other they're soaking up what their parents are telling their teachers Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, the conversations, the body language, yep. the mannerisms, everything, you know, yep. things that you don't think of. Yes. So you really want to see a healthy dynamic between um, teaching teams. And if you kind of see a spark between them and they're having a blast together all day long, then you know that your child yeah. is is benefiting from that energy. Yeah. Whereas if you see that there may be some tension, um, which is natural, again, how do they approach it and solve problems but again your child is going to be exposed to that and and it's that's okay but again how do we solve these problems um so that's super super important um a huge one which is in line is problem solving um i i think it's so important for kids even in from infancy it's 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 a major, major skill is problem solving. When things get hard, when things get tough, when the solution is not clear, how do the kids 
approach the problem and do they have the determination and perseverance and grit to see it through right. and try again? Yeah. And something that I think a lot of, I, I see a lot of teachers do and parents and even I myself catch myself doing this a lot is intervening with problems. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. really when a problem is happening, that is the best time for a caregiver, a parent, a teacher to step back mm -hmm. and let the children figure it out on their own given that it's a safe environment. Of mm -hmm. course, if it's starting to escalate and it might start to get physical, then yes, definitely intervene. However, if it's something as simple as they're playing with magnet tiles at the tables mm -hmm. and one child knocked down this child's tower and there might be some whining or some, mm -hmm. some crying start to happen, but letting them figure it out and try to problem solve on their own before a teacher steps in. That's how they're going to learn how to problem solve. Yes. Because they will never learn how to problem solve if a teacher steps in and does it for them. Mm -hmm. And that goes for a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. If a teacher's constantly doing things or a parent, if they're constantly doing things for the child, they'll never learn to do it themselves. But problem solving, especially because that is a life skill mm -hmm. that you need forever. They need to be learning how to do it. And yes. something I heard the other day at our school was, um, some a, a child took um you know a toy from the other one they were like hey and then you know they they called the teacher's name and the teacher said what do you think you mm -hmm. could do mm -hmm. in this situation mm -hmm. and the child gave an answer and she said okay try that and he did it and then the problem was solved mm -hmm. and so she she guided it but mm -hmm. she didn't give the answer yes Yes. And so that is that's huge 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 so giving the children at at appropriate ages, appropriate tools and skills to fall back on. And I really like letting the problem sit mm -hmm. and letting them kind of feel um, how uncomfortable it is mm -hmm. and the emotion in oh, the frustration or or feeling how difficult the challenge is. Just a huge thing that we want our kids to learn is feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable and also being aware of emotions. Mm -hmm. So if uh, things that I've said to children at times is if one is crying and another isn't, and that's a perfect time to say, how do you think this, how do you think your friend is feeling? Mm -hmm. They're crying. So how do you think they're feeling? And that's a perfect time for, oh, they're feeling sad. They're feeling angry. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way to teach emotions. Yes. Yes. And I think that if you are in class and you see your friend crying and, um, if they can be attended to, we teach our kids that, your class is a family. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just like the teachers are kind of models in terms of, you know, caregivers and parent role model type of thing. Um, you are family members to each other. You step into the classroom yes. and you're automatically family. So how do you how do you make your friends feel better? Yeah. How do you um, help your friends when you see that they're in need? Those are huge, huge skills that they need to be aware of, yeah. to recognize in the first place and then fall back on the skills to want to proactively help, yeah. to want to proactively become. Mind. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing that a lot in our preschool classroom at the moment right mm -hmm. now. Um, just the other day, they there we just came back from uh, from a break that we had. And of course, it's been a very emotional week for a lot of children and <laughs> teachers and parents. Um, and so a lot of the emotions when they're getting dropped off, mm -hmm. a lot of them are crying at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I've just seen so many of our two and a half and three year olds 
going up to their friends that are crying and saying, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We're at school. Mm-hmm. Daddy will come back later. Yeah. And they they know that. And mm-hmm. it's so sweet that a child is saying that to their peer. Yeah. And it's not, you know, necessarily a teacher saying that. It's just so special to see that because they know that they're a family and they're class. Yes. yes. And they do. They really, really do. We've had, we've had kids just feel so at home here yes. and, um, and call it their home yes. and say, and they're just happy. You just know when your kids are happy and they feel secure and loved and they feel challenged and stimulated and, and are having fun. Yeah. And, and that's part of, because the teachers are allowing their kids yeah. to constantly grow. That's yes. that, that's just the byproduct of growing as a child in so many different ways. So it's it's super exciting. Lastly, a huge huge um, value is having a. This is my life saying. Yours is ninety percent. <laughs> I know. 90% of the brain is about in every conversation my- <laughs> ever and every essay I've ever written ever. Um, for me, my mantra is um, to ignite a love and motivation for learning. And I believe that can take place early on when the kids are really, really little and, and as young as infancy and all the way up to kindergarten and beyond. So how do we train our kids to love learning? How do we train them to have a motivation to learn, to try their best every time, even if it's not a preferred activity? How do we teach them that your best is what's expected no matter what? And motivation is huge because even older adults experience it, you know? And so Instilling that so young, even in our infant classroom, yes, is so huge. And, you know, allowing the child to get frustrated, again, mm-hmm. not intervening quite when they start to get frustrated and they're able to problem solve and mm-hmm. be motivated to move on to the next activity. And like you're saying, um, if they're not doing an activity that they necessarily enjoy, um, are they still trying mm-hmm. and they still you know do the activity and then maybe they move on to something that they do enjoy more but at least they're still motivated to get through the activity yes yes they are still motivated to understand expectations try their best and you know you can leave it at that you don't have to be stellar in everything but teachers want to see that you care and that you want to try your best in everything i mean seeing how post covid and and the consequences of um how kids really just lost their entire motivation for learning yeah. just and because adults. adults do work yeah. with work and post COVID and how, you know, we, we lost a lot of that and we're rebuilding a lot of that now yeah. these years. Um, I see it with, with my school age kids and you're just rebuilding that from, from the ground up. And so we're, in a really powerful role as educators in early childhood to build that um, from infancy on because it's a it takes it's not an overnight thing. It right. takes <laughs> thousands and thousands of exposures and trial and error and conversations for that to be built. Yeah. And so if we're doing it at school and mom and dad and whoever caregiver is also doing it at home, um, then of course we're just we're just yeah. setting our kids up for success. Yeah, and that's why. I, I, along with many other people, wish that the early childhood educator profession was respected more mm-hmm. because they are 
instilling that motivation and that love for learning so young that by the time they enter kindergarten, Mm -hmm. these kids, you know, know their ABCs and Mm -hmm. they are excited to sit down and write their name. And it's often overlooked that their early childhood teacher had a lot of help in that and a lot of say in that. And it's it's huge. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it goes in line with a lot of what we talk about in terms of the education system has a lot that needs to be, you know, adjusted and shifted. Yeah. But really, if you look into a classroom at the preschool level and the early childhood education level, then you're kind of seeing um, little bits and pieces of of things that would really translate well into mm-hmm. school age in terms of when the kids step into the classroom, um, like for infants, when the kids step into the classroom, you get an infant care plan. We know your home life. Yeah. We get a snapshot of your home life. Same thing as toddlers, even in all our classrooms, we have a really good relationship with parents, or at least we seek to have that mm-hmm. so that we can cater to your child. And so I think that's what's something so special in early childhood that we offer that is not necessarily, there's not as much time mm-hmm. and and um, and focus on that when your kid's in kindergarten or third right. grade and beyond. But in early childhood, it is because it's just as critical. Yeah. And so having that home, um, the understanding of home life allows us to see, oh, Oh, Johnny was had an awful night. Mm-hmm. He's going to be really exhausted today. So letting Johnny have more time today yeah. will set him up for success. Whereas in third grade, if the teacher did yeah. not know that and push Johnny today, he's not they're not going to get a great. Yeah. Great uh, response. <laughs> and so but for us, we know that and we know our kids so well. We know our kids inside and out. So we know when to push. We know when to guide more. Yeah. And and again, it it allows our kids to have more successful days yeah. and it allows our kids to feel more capable and it allows teachers to feel effective. And so having that home life understanding is so crucial. And um, it's some, it's a highlight of early childhood that that we should try to uh, apply somehow to older kids as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked I liked what you said about how when the teachers in early childhood education, when they know what's happening at home or how they slept last night or mm-hmm. if they didn't sleep last night, mm-hmm. then they know, okay, maybe I shouldn't try this harder lesson today because we just came back from a break and everybody's upset. Or maybe that golden time in the infant classroom when all of the babies are teething at the same exact time. <laughs> the teachers know. Yes. This is not the best time to challenge this certain child or this group of children. Yes. Let's put that on the back burner and try again next week. Yes. Um, that's so crucial because, th- again, that is opportunities for um, a more individualized approach. And a lot of times what is appropriate for one child or a couple of the students is 
beneficial to the class mm-hmm. as well. And so it does take a lot of juggling for the teacher to recognize this is not the best opportunity mm-hmm. for this. Let's put it on the back burner. Like you said, let's do music and movement right now. Yeah. That's just going to liven everyone up, put everyone in a good mood. And maybe we'll come back to the lesson yeah. because they are in the better mindset to do that. Um, I think teachers in the school age classroom can have that ability but it's just so hard because you are it's compounded by deadlines and and periods and you know class schedules and all that whereas in in the preschool classroom we have the whole day and even though we have a plan we can adjust and be flexible Mm. and be fluid in it so that the kids get the most out of it right so that's huge 